Can I ask you to put your hands together again and to welcome Alona as she comes to stage to join me? <laughs> Whoa, some shrieking there. Great. Alona, it is so good to, to have you here. Um, I know this is not the first time you've been to England. You've been doing it a lot. It's the first time you've been to this church. Um, I said when we, when we uh, met each other again on Thursday that Albania doesn't have a great reputation sometimes in different parts of the world, including this country. And some of that is because of the media and movies. If you've ever seen Taken or any of those kind of films, it's nearly always in Hollywood movies. The bad guys seem to be Albanians these days. Now, I know that... As we're going to hear from your story, some of that is justified, but not all of it. Just give us a little bit of a background to Albania as a country. Tell us something about your homeland. Okay. Uh, first of all, I, I want to really say sorry from my heart for <laughs> the Albanian people here giving you this reputation about Albania. But uh, if, you will, um, if you will understand our history, somehow you will understand why these people will do this kind of things in this land. Uh, Albania have been for about 50 years under communism and it has been the hardest communism in the whole world. Uh, in, in 1967, our communist leader, he will declare Albania the only atheist country in the world. And for 50 years, we would never dare to believe in any God and we, will, we didn't know even the name of Jesus. Uh, I, I wanted to say you a, a true story. When, when in 1991 Albania was open and so many missionaries came in Albania, there were pe people going in the streets and asking, and there was a case asking one lady and saying, do you know anything about Jesus? Do you know Jesus? And she said, I'm new in this area. I don't know all the neighbors. <laughs> So we even didn't know the name of Jesus. And out of all this kind of difficult area in our lives, and we were so much deceived that we were the only best country in the world and everyone outside Albania would want to conquer Albania because we were really good. And uh, when Albania then was opened uh, for, for Jesus, for God, and for all other different things, we took like uh, the liberty and the freedom in a really wrong way of thinking because if we were in one extreme pressed down and not having the freedom then we went to the other extreme and we are in the into the transition transition coming to the middle not to the extremes okay okay and, and, and of course before that there's the Turkish occupation, hundreds of years, we'll talk about that in, in, in a moment. But it's a beautiful country as well, Albania, I know it is because I've been many times. And you're from the south, in, from Vlora, and, and then at 14 you met a young man called Tani, Adrisan Tani, uh, who was from the north of Albania. And then you got engaged uh, at, at 16 and married. 18, okay, so all happened very young. So, so you moved from the south and from Vlora to, to the north. Tani planted a church at the age of 17. He planted a church. And you joined him then as pastor's wife and all of that. And just tell us a little bit about the difference between the south of Albania, where, you from, where you're from, and Skodra in the north, where Tani was from. Yeah, like, like in every nation, I, I know that there are differences between the south and the north. And, but in our nation, the difference was, was quite big. And it was like if you were in the north of that area at that time, it was like it felt like you were in Africa, in a poor place, and also so different from the place where I was raised up and came from. Uh, I, I went up in the north, and uh, I went not just to study, but also to help my older sister there. And uh, there, Tani was uh, um, a young man. 
And uh, we, we fell in love together. And when I went, uh, I was 16 years old, when I went to my father and to say that I'm going to marry this man, my father was scared and terrified because he knew about the North. Uh, the North has its good parts, but uh, also the difference is like uh, the South will be more, people will be more uh, safe and secure and uh, people are working a lot and uh, they are more materialistic in one way, but also is, is a, a much better way of living in the South. And then when I said to my dad that I'm going in the North, for him was the end of the world. And uh, then when I said that I'm going to get married this man, then he said to me, what is going to happen about blood feud? And I was 16, and in the South, I've, I have never heard, even, even read in the school about blood feud, and I didn't know what this was really uh, about. And I can understand all the Western people, when I start to speak and to share my story, they will be like this, not understanding what it's all about. And if I was from the same country, didn't understand, uh, I can imagine we, about you. And it was like when... when uh, when my dad said this, I said to my dad, like, Tani is a, is a good man and he will no, he's not going to enter the family in the blood field. And he said, yes, he's a good man, but what about his uncles? What are they going to do? So again, I, I said, oh, no, this is go not going to happen. And we got married when, when I was 18, Tani was 23. And then uh, we had our children and we started to pastor the church in the north of Albania. Okay. Did your father know the uncles or know about the uncles? Yeah, he, he knew about the uncles before okay mm. we we've been you've been telling us stories over the weekend in different settings and and i've met you many times we've had many stories but there's always more stories yeah. and more and 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 there's a lot we've talked a lot about kalashnikovs and you know guns and and all of that and and then the blood feud mm. so you mentioned the blood feud could you give us a little bit of a background to where the blood feud comes from because like you said yeah. you hadn't heard about it and you you lived in albania mm. many people here won't know anything about it yeah. can you give us a little bit of background where does it come from and mm. what why does it exist yeah it's is a kind of 500 years old law and the thing is it has its power now because uh, it is like a parallel law with uh, the constitution and the laws we have in Albania. Uh, 500 years ago, Albania was occupied by Turks and uh, when they came to conquer the land, they, they started to force every uh, Albanian people to change religion from Christian to Muslim. And people that were changing their religions, they will live in cities and in places that it was easy to live. They will not pay taxes and they will be given lands and all this stuff. But there were some people in the north of Albania that they didn't want to change religion, but they couldn't live in the areas where they were uh, before. So uh, they wanted to remain Christians and mainly they, we, we have had in the north the, the Catholic influence. So they went up in the mountains uh, because they didn't want to become Muslim. So this, uh, when they went in the mountains, they started to create different communities around different mountains around Skoder. And uh, there was a, a clever man that is called Lek Dukajini, and he made his own law to govern these communities that were the Christian communities. And the, the principles where this law it is based, it is like in the Old Testament when it says an eye for an eye. And, and this is what uh, 
And the kanun, it is not all about killings and taking revenge, but it has a set of different kind of laws for land and families and marriages and all this. But one part of, the, of this kanun is the part of the revenge and the blood feud law that it says like, this means like, if someone from one family, and this is not the close family, but it is, we call that as a tribe, the wider family, if someone will kill a man from another family, then this means that all the men of the of the murder of the killed uh, person will have to take revenge in any one of the men from the murderer family. So this goes in six generations. It goes in the bloodline, not in the women, ju just men. So the the guys that will reach the age sixteen, they will become target of the revenge sixteen and up. So. Uh, in, in the six generations, everyone from the other men will, will try to take revenge. This will not happen with women. If a woman is killed, she will not, uh, nobody will take revenge for her blood because her blood is not precious enough to be cleaned by another blood. But the family will pay money to buy the, the blood of a woman. And also, the blood of the woman will never be enough to pay the blood of the man. So the blood of the man is always paid with the blood of the other man. Wow. You said it's 500 years old, mm -hmm. and it sounds 500 years old in the way you've described it, yeah. but the truth is that it's happening right now. Mm -hmm. And not only is it happening right now, but it happened to you as well. And so your uncle, uh, Tani's uncle, owned a restaurant, a young man who was a policeman who was drunk, was giving him some difficulty, came in with a gun one night, Tani's uncle trying to defend himself, but in the process ended up killing this young man. Um, and so what happened then? That moment that, that Tani's uncle killed that young man, what happened to you and to Tani and to your children? Um, at that time we were pastoring the church and we had our two kids, Gabriel and Sarah. And uh, at that night that it happened, we had people coming in the house and saying, like, don't go out because your uncle has done this killing and the other family will try to take revenge. And, you know, the, the first 24 hours are crazy. They are, they are able to burn houses, to kill anyone they find, even, even babies. So the first 24 hours, you really need to find a, a safe place where to go and hide. And for the first time, I really understood what blood feud meant. You know, it was like when I saw my husband that he, he started to cry and he said, I don't know what is going to happen with the church now. He was concerned about the church. And to me, it was like, oh, come on, we will, this will finish. We will send elders and we will ask forgiveness. And we haven't done nothing. We have done nothing. So they will not do anything to us because this was the, the, the reasoning way. You know, if you do nothing, nobody will do something to you. So uh, that was the moment that Tani said to me, like, you really don't understand, don't understand the, the cycle we are in. And they say, like, if the trigger is pulled once, it will never stop. So if, if this uncle has killed, it would be different if he would be just wounded. But the worst thing, it was like the man was not just killed, but also his face was destroyed. And in this kind of situation, the, the, the canoon will, uh, will, will introduce this law and will, will uh, explain like if someone is killed, even the face destroyed, it means like Tani's uncle took also the honor 
of the man. And taking the honor of the man means that the other family has to take revenge in two men because you took the honor and you took the life. So for us, it was like, okay, uh, we, we, at that moment, we ran to the south, to my parents' house, to be hiding there for two months. But then we, we felt that this will not be forever. And we felt like we had to go back in the church because the church was really having strugglings. Like, are we going to exist anymore? Who is going to pastor us? The pastor has gone. He will not come back because if he comes back, then they will try to kill him. Wow. You were 24? That's amazing. You, so your pastor's wife, two little kids, running down to the south, hiding. But then you came back to Skodra, and then for a period of time, you were still under that blood feud. How did you live? What, what was life like for you and for Tani uh, while you were serving in the church, leading people, but living under this blood feud? You know, is uh, this kind of situation, you understand that even if you are free, you are not free. <laughs> You know, it's like, to me, it was like, even that I could go outside, I was, uh, I was prisoned inside the house with my husband and my, my son, Gabriel, at that time was four years old and he had to stay six months in the house with his daddy. And then we just took risk and took him out to, to send him in school because he would be, when Tani was killed and he was 10 years, he would be without any education if we will not take a risk to, to take him in school. So at, at that time, it was like I was really prisoned in the house with my husband. And we stood about three and a half years uh, prisoned in the house. We will take the, the doctor scene, the barbering, everything that Tanya would need, we will take them in the house. We then moved all the meetings of the church during the week that we had house groups, Bible school, leadership meetings. We will have them all in the house. And on Sunday then we will invite other pastors to come and preach because Tani was not able even to preach. And every time there were people coming in the house, we were afraid even to show that we didn't have guns to protect ourselves. And if the other family will find out that we didn't have guns, then they could enter the house and they can take revenge. So I remember he always said to the people that don't go out and say I don't have any guns because I have guns and I have got the Bible. Bible is my gun. You know, so it, it was a kind of difficult situation. But then after three years and a half, we, we were uh, feeling like God was taking us out. God spoke us through Genesis 28, 15. And it says to Jacob, like, I'll protect you wherever you go, but I will bring you back to fulfill the calling I have for you. And for me, the beginning of the verse was great. God is going to protect us wherever we go, so this is time to go somewhere. And the, the, the safest place and the place that welcomed us most was England, so you need to be proud of this. Uh, even I know that some other situation you are not, but yeah, we, we felt ourselves family in the family. When we came in England, we, we had the two years uh, visa and we started life here and it was the most relaxing time after so many years for me coming here and just relax that we can go out and we are free and we are safe and the, our adventure were not here. So then it was after two months that Tani was praying and he said to me, honey, I, I think that this is time to go back to fulfill God's calling for our life. And to me, it was the end of the world. I was like, what, please? We need, we have two more years. We can stay here two, two more years. And then we, we, we get, uh, we, we, you know, we, we fill ourselves up and we can go back. But two months, it was not enough after being almost four years prisoned in the house. 
But he said, no, no, this is the time we will go back and we will fulfill the calling. So I was hoping that maybe the other family will give us freedom when we go back. And I was hoping that we will be free to serve God in that place. But when we went back, we found out that the situation was much more difficult than we left. We found out that the other family was looking especially for Tani because the strategy of the, of the blood feud is so evil. It, it finds out and it chooses the best and the youngest of the whole tribe to kill him because they want to cause the deepest pain. And in 90% 90, 90 of the cases that we have had blood feud, 90% of the cases it was not the murderer that was killed for the revenge, but someone that has nothing to do with the revenge. But just because he was young and he was a good man and he, the, the pain that will be caused, it will be deep. So we went, we went back and then when we found out this, Tani was praying and asking God, God, why did you brought me back here? What is the reason and what is the calling to be in this place? And God reminded him the prayer of salvation. And, and he shared with me these words. He shared and he said, when I was 16 years old, I said to my God, God, come in my life. And my life will not be anymore mine, but will be yours. And when he said this, uh, and God was reminding him he, this prayer, God said to him, if your life is mine, then go out and serve me. And, you know, it was like when he came to say to me this thing, like, I will not stay anymore inside. It is breaking all the taboos. Mm -hmm. And even people in the street, they will not stop. Even other pastors, they will not stop and chat to him in the street because they would be afraid that if the other family will kill him, they will be killed also. So uh, he, he said... He said to me, I'm going out. I'm not staying anymore in. And to me, you know, it was like I, I found myself in the middle of the fire because it was like I don't want to be a stone into the race of my husband to fulfill God's calling. But I am, I'm also afraid of his life. So I started to read so many different stories, how to protect someone that is in blood feud. And one of the stories was if he is accompanied by his children or his wife, they will, they will not kill him because if they see this, they will never forgive the blood. So I was trying that for 12 months, running after him, uh, we will go in church, I will be in the front, Tani in the middle and the kids behind him, like an escort to go, to go and uh, if he had to go in the church and everywhere when he was going. Wow, so you lived like that out, out serving God, but you running after him with the children and trying to protect Tani. And then... On one Friday, everything changed. What happened, uh, yeah. Elona, on that Friday? Yeah, it was like uh, we were for about five days. We were not in the in the in our place, and um, uh, Tani wanted to go in the church. It was his day off, but he said, "I just jumped to the church because it, I have been for five days out." And I was waiting him in the house. I was not there with him when he was. Uh, he went in the church. And uh, after coming outside the church, the, the children were waiting him in the street, uh, coming from school. Uh, the brother of the first killed person from Tani's uncle, he was waiting him outside the church and he asked him, are you Dritan Proy? And we didn't know, he didn't know the faces of the people that will kill him. So he said, yes, what do you need? You know, he thought that he needed something to ask for an address or something. And uh, he took out the gun and he shot at him, uh, going on the way to, to pick up the children from the school. 
So I was waiting him in, in the house for la the lunch time, and I was trying to call him all the time. But then when one guy from the church called me and said, where is the pastor? And I said, he's in the church, and he's taking the children. He's supposed to come home now. Then I, I felt that something was not going okay, and I started to run in all the streets of, of my city, uh, looking out where he was. And I, uh, But, you know, I, I found out later that God protected me of finding out where he was, you know, because it was just in front of the church, in, in the middle, all the policemen and everyone there. But then after two hours, I've been running for two hours around. And after that, I had my brother-in-law that he came with me and we went in the hospital and we found out. Because even in the last moment, I was hoping that he's not dead. I was hoping that maybe he's only wounded and all this. But then, uh, yeah, when, when I find, found out, I was so unconscious, but... I remember two things. I, I found myself in Tani's family uh, house and I was seeing his uncles. They were hugging each other and praising God that it was not them that they were killed. But his uncle, they were kind of gangs and all this. And it was to me, seeing this, it was like, God, this is not fair. Uh, they deserve that, not Tani. You know, the, the moment that Tani was killed, there were 24 other men that they were freed at that time because blood was paid with blood. The moment they heard in the television, in the news, that Dritan Pro is killed, they were out free at that moment. So for me, all this, it was like, and at that moment, I was afraid of my flesh and blood. And I remember I, I, I prayed God that he will put an angel in my mouth, that I will never speak against him in all this tragedy and all these troubles. And um, yeah, uh, we, we have the funeral the next day in Albania, and uh, there were thousands of people there. The, the, the man that killed Tani, he tried to do the same thing that Tani's uncle did to his brother. He wanted to kill him and to take the honor to destroy his face. And, you know, the, the, all the culture, like his uncles will say, like, we will show everyone that they didn't take his honor. To me, it was so crazy. It was like, he's dead. He's not living. What does honor mean in all this situation? So in, in all this, I, I was really praying that God will, will protect me, speaking against God in, in, in the all that has happened. Wow. And you were 29. Mm -hmm. Wow. And in the, and I know this is so short time to, to, to do this justice, really, but in the process of learning to forgive, mm -hmm. God used your 10-year-old son, Gabriel. Yes. Just yes. tell us that story. Uh, after all this happened, I was oh, I was surrendering myself, and I was into I wanted to obey God even when I didn't understand. And to me, it was like uh, obeying God. It means also to forgive your enemies and to love your enemies. And to me, it was like God, please give me one reason that I have to forgive that person. And you know, the greatest difficulty to me it was not forgiving the 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 boy the man that killed my husband because he was somehow the victim of the mentality and the culture he was living in so when 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 his brother was killed he was 16 years old the age of my son and i can imagine if i will feed my son with revenge he will take revenge of his daddy and you know, 16 years old, for five years, he has been fed up with his mom saying every day, every moment he would have a meal, his mom will say, you are eating your food, but my other son is eating earth. 
So you need to take revenge for five years, a teenager growing up into this feeding. To me, it was like, God, I can't forgive the mother. For me, it's not a, a problem forgiving the boy, the man. But the women are, are called to be like the human beings factories. You know, we, we as women, we are called from God to, to multiply the earth. And how can we be used to take off lives of other people. So I was asking God, give me one reason that I will forgive the mom. And I sent some missionaries, Italian uh, missionaries to the family. And I said, go and see the situation. If the mom is sorry, if she feels sorry that she killed my husband, then this will be enough for me just to start to forgive. And they went there and they found out that the mother was so angry with me. And when they came down, they said, she's crazy. She's angry with you. And I said, what? I want revenge. You know, it's like crazy with me what I'm doing. And they said to me, like, uh, she's angry because everything you are doing against blood feud, she's understanding this like you are fighting that family. And to me, it, it was like I can't stop doing something about the families that are present in the house. When, when I, was, I was meeting with politicians and uh, ambassadors of European Union and all this, and I was talking to them and I was saying that I want to do the fight, not because I will have my tiny back. I know I will not. But I want to do this for other families that are suffering blood feud and uh, nobody can take care of them. And they, they are voiceless. They can't speak. I want to speak in their, in their part. And when I was doing this, the mom was thinking like I was fighting the family and I was making the family dishonored, you know, and saying to all the communities that look what they have done. But it, this was not this. And then... I was so sad and I was asking God, God, I was not expecting this. You know, I wanted some positive report. And then I was taking my son from the, from the school and we were uh, going through the court of appeal. And he asked me, mom, what is this building? And I said to my son, is the court of appeal? And he said, explain me. And I said, if someone is not pleased with the punishment that a criminal will take, they will bring him here and condemn him more and punish him more. I was angry, you know, and he stopped and he said to me, Mom, how poor the criminals. And I said, Gabriel, why are you saying this? Because if they will be outside, they will do other killings. So they need to be there. And he said, what about those that have done only one crime and they've, they've never had the second chance to prove themselves? And to me, it was like, until that moment, I've never mentioned Gabriel, the man that killed Tani. So it was like, I was scared to mention because I was afraid that I was raising rage and, and all this revenge. But it was my first time and I asked Gabriel, what are you going to do with the man that killed your daddy? And he said to me, I'll forgive him. You know, and it was like, mom, Jesus has taught us to love our enemies. And in the whole world, the only enemy with, we have is him. And he said to me, why to keep bitterness in our heart? And then I, I was speaking in a speech in, in a big demonstration uh, that we had in Tirana against blood feud. And my last word of my speech, it was like the revenge is of God. And for us people, the perfect revenge is forgiveness. And he reminded me, he said, mom, you said that? <laughs> and it was, oh, yes. <laughs> I didn't wow. mean that at that time. It was like, and <laughs> I, 
yes, it was two weeks after Tani left, wow. you know, and I was teaching myself, and it was that moment, you know, that I said, God, who am I? If this little man, 10 years old, is finding strength wow. to forgive the killers wow. of his daddy, who am I? And I, I wow. took just the, the decision that from that day and on, I will forgive them. Wow, that is amazing. God used your 10-year-old son, yeah. who, who himself was hurting, incredibly to speak that incredible just at one final question Alona so in the five or six years since Tani went to be with Jesus and was taken from you um, you haven't um, yeah you've grieved of course and it's still we understand that as much as we can but you've also turned that pain into something very redemptive so you set up a foundation called say no to blood feud and yes to life you've been lobbying the government to get them to, because they won't admit it, yes. because they want to be part of the European Union, and that will never happen with this. There's maybe 700 families, yes. you, th you know, affected by the blue feud right now. Yes. You've been doing that, but also your church, beautiful church, I love your church so much, and your people. And um, in the middle of all this, you guys are visiting families who are locked up like you were locked up. Uh, what are you doing? To just tell us a little bit about what you're doing to try and bring light into the darkness mm. in this situation. Yeah, the, the moment that Tani was killed, some of the things that I, I have even today is like I have his bag and I have inside his bag there was a Bible and there was a project against blood feud. So he was there and he was fighting against blood feud. Uh, we, we took this project and to us it was like a flame that were given into our hands and Tani has finished his race and taking this faithfully until that point so it was our turn now to take the flame and continue to the next generations. So this is what became the project that Tani had, this became the vision of the foundation and uh, we, uh, we have this foundation called No Blood Feud, Yes to Life. And we are allowing God to use our, uh, our trials, our tests, our, uh, our testimony to, to, to bring hope to the people that do not have hope. It's like the, the, the worst thing of these families living inside the house is the lack of hope and the future. And you know, it's like we have an expression that it says, as long as you breathe, there is hope. But they are breathing, but they don't have the hope because they don't have life. They are inside. They are sealed by the angel of death, you know, from in their houses. And to, ha to us, it's like while we are helping these families to bring the basic food in, the medical health, the mental health, the psychological health, our, our purpose and our, our, our trying is that we will bring Jesus. Through all Amen. this, we will bring wow. Jesus because Jesus comes together with hope yeah. and with a future. And yeah. even if they will be killed, they will have eternal life. Yeah. So that death will not be their final destiny, but it will be just a, a door to entering God's presence. Wow. That's amazing. We're going to hear from you in, in a moment with just a very short short message. But, but before we do that, I'm sure we, we'd want to thank Helena for, for being so honest and vulnerable this morning. So why don't we do that and just thank her. I want to share very fast something that I learned in my grave, in my troubles, in my trials, in my challenges. And I hope you will get inspired that in every situation you are now, you will think and you will, you will know for sure, not just even when you feel or you don't feel, you will know for sure that God has a purpose in every and each situation you are in. If we go to John chapter 16, verse 33, 
We have Jesus with his disciples that is before he's going toward the cross. He gathers his, his disciples and he says to, the, to them this. He's saying, I'm telling you these things that in me you might have peace. In this world you will have troubles, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Amen. So Jesus is going in the cross and he's thinking about his disciples. When you are in the middle of this kind of pain, the only thing you will do is thinking for others the, that you will not do. So he's only thinking about the pain inside of you and reasoning out and finding out and spending, spending all your time to understand why is this here. But it is so easy to find out. Jesus says, in this world, you will have troubles. Now, when we have troubles in our life, we, we, we try to find out, is this God punishing us? Is all this happening because we've done a, a bad sin in the past? We are, we are sinful people. Yes, we are imperfect people. But God, when he watches down us, he sees Jesus and he sings over us with songs of praise. Because we have Jesus inside of us. So we, we start and we think, God, why is this? Have I done this that you have done this to me? Are you, are, are you joking with me? Are you making me the shame of this world? I want to say you today that he's a good father and he will never do this to you. I've got a son and I've got a daughter and I will never, ever, ever want that they will, will, will be in pain and trials and challenges. But we live in a fallen world. And this happens, especially in these last years, we are seeing brothers and sisters in the Middle East that they are killed for the gospel. And we think about, what about us? Why this is happening to me? It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about him. You know, in this world, the, the, when Jesus says that, I'm saying this, that you will find peace, not in, in what is happening to you. You know, we try to find peace in sunny days. Oh, today is good weather, and I know in England you talk so much about weather. <laughs> and I can understand because if it is sunny in the morning, it, it doesn't mean that it will be like this in the end of the day. I can understand that. In Albania is different. We don't talk much about the weather. And sometimes when it is a cloudy day, we start, oh, I feel bad because there is no sun outside. But come on. You know, there are people that are killed for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they, they stand fast in this promise. I have overcome the world. The peace that we have, it doesn't come from outside the world, but come from inside us to outside and if you don't try to find peace in your, your situation, you are not going to give peace to your wife, your children, your family, your church, your city, your country, in the universe. You need to have this peace inside of you. And the best peace, it will be shown to you in the darkest days. Because it is says in God's word, like when darkness is greater, the light of God will shine brighter. 
where sin is big, the grace of God is higher and bigger. And we say, where is the grace of God in all that is happening? Is there. Is there. The, 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 the worst thing that can happen to us in difficult situations, Satan will come and he will tempt you in one and only thing. And this is shaking, shaking your trust in the good father. And if he will come and trouble your place of peace, he will have an attempt in every way of your life. Do not allow him. Your place of peace is Jesus Christ. Is not what is happening to you. Is not what others have done to you. Is not how much they have hurt it to you. Is Jesus inside of you. When this happened to Tani, the, the first question to Gabriel when he found out, he said, why my daddy, where is God in all this? He took that Bible verse and he said to me, mom, the father God says I will protect you wherever you go. Why he didn't protect Tani, my daddy? And I started to mention him all the names of the, of the men in the tribe that they could go in hell. And he said, I don't care if they go in hell. I want my daddy back. And then he asked me, he said, Tani's, Tani's brother, he's a Christian man, a good Christian man. He said, what about Uncle Pauline? He's a Christian man. And he has got only one son. We are two children without daddy. And I said, Gabriel, I don't know. One day we will be in front of Jesus. We will ask him if he will not show us in this earth. I don't know. And sometimes we don't know when things are happening to us. But the thing is like, you are not supposed to know. Why to know? There are things in Deuteronomy 29, 29. It says like, the things that are secret belong to God. But things that have been shown to you are yours and your children forever and ever. If you don't know why you are living this kind of situation, you just live. And don't find out, don't find out why. It's better getting prepared because Jesus has said it, why? You will have that. He has said it this. But be of good courage because our peace is not in what is happening to us. And you are blessed with a safe country. You are blessed with the things you have. But again, it is so sad to hear that so many people in this country will, will give an end to their life because they are in despair. And they are looking around for the children of God to be revealed. They are looking around for light in the middle of their darkness and depression. And you say, like, if we will come from Albania, you have all. You have everything. But you know the thing is like the peace is not in what you have. It's in what is in you. The peace is not there. You can have everything but you can have nothing if you don't have Jesus inside of you. This is the place of peace. And don't allow Satan to come and trouble you and, and make you and tempt you to doubt the, the faithfulness and the goodness of God. I want to tell you that in every situation I've passed in my last six years, I have seen the goodness and the mercy of God over my life. And in, in the darkest grief, in the darkest days and hours, I've seen him much more than I've seen him in happy moments.
I've seen him being so close to me, even touching his hand. So close to me. And I've known him as a good, good father. In Romans it says, like God will cause everything to work together for good for those who love the Lord. Not for the whole world. He would love to do that, but the whole world is not submitted to his will and authority. But to those that love the world, our Godfather, it doesn't say that, that he will cause us pain. But he will cause everything to work together when we are in the middle of the pain. My God will never choose to kill Tani. Never. I know that. I know that. But he has taken that. And he has made that to work together. Is it easy to say no? I, will, I, I would want one year to tell you what I've gone through. It's not easy. The words are not, the words do not have the power of explaining that kind of thing. Deep pain. And there was a moment I was asking God, when is all this pain going out through me? I don't want, I can't bear it anymore. And God said to me, Elona, this season you are going through, this is a luxury for you. It was like, I don't have any more tears. What is the luxury in this? And God spoke to me so clearly. I listened to the good father voice and he said, the pain has caused your cup to be bigger and wider. If you have experienced me before with a small glass of my Holy Spirit and my goodness and my mercy and my faithfulness, this pain has widened up your cup and you can feel my spirit much more. And you know, to me it was like, yes, God, I consider it joy. And when you say, God, this is the end of my winter, I will say thank you for what you have learned me and taught me in my winter. Jacob said, consider great joy when you go in all the trials and tribulations. Why? Because he says, this will make in you to be patient. And then why? There is another reason. It says, let patience have in you its way that you will become perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So if we consider great joy, the trials and tribulations... The, the ultimate purpose, it is like we will be complete, lacking nothing. And we can ask and we can say, why God is not conquering the devil? He has said and he has promised, I have conquered the world. And I believe in a kingdom, a kingdom is conquered when you conquer its king. And the king of this world is devil. And Jesus has conquered devil. And death. You know, the worst thing that can happen to someone is death. And you come to, to a point that you are not afraid of death. What is the worst thing that can, that can happen to you? God can crush devil as an ant with his thumb. He can crush him. But you know, I've learned, and it was like a revelation in my spirit. God is not doing this. Because it will be so unjust and right. Because God is the creator. And devil is an angel, a fallen angel, a creation. 
And if God will do this, this is power, unjust power. It's not the same level of authority or hierarchy. This is why God took Jesus, his only son, and he made him 100% man that the hierarchy, the level will be the same, that he will crush devil. And Jesus said when he came, all power in heaven and in earth. And all power, it means power over death and everything. All power it is given to me. And I'm giving this to you. I'm giving you the power. And then he promised something. He said, I will be with you. Till what? Until the end. Not until your husband's death. Not until your child's death. Not until... Your death until the end of the world. Even the people that will remain. To me, it was, I was secure that even that Tani went, God again is with me. Again is with me because he promised as long as the world exists, he is the God with us. He is the God with us. And I want to encourage you. If you are going through a valley, I want to encourage you, keep on going. Is not about you. It's about Jesus. Do you know what, why Satan is causing these things to us? It's because he wants to hurt the Father. He wants to take revenge. And he can't. Because he's, he's all-powerful. But he, he has us as a middle point that if we allow him, he can hurt us. And through us, he can hurt the Father. But we are also the other direction, middle point. If God wants to crush the devil, if we allow him, he will give us the power and we will use this power to crush him down. So it's not about us. It's about a revenge that once happened thousands of years ago. And devil is going on to take revenge on God through us, but he will not. Because we know what is his aim and we know what is our God's purpose. That we will become complete, lacking nothing, being not afraid of death. Imagine that Jesus ran to the cross with joy. Why? Because he saw you and he saw me. We are in his inheritance you know, when, when, when I was thinking, the moment that Tani went in heaven, it was so powerful, the inheritance to me. You know that verse in the Bible that it says that life is so short, it's like vapor in the wind. It was so real to me. He went out of the house, and I was waiting him for lunch in the house, and he was not anymore. So this showed me about... The way of living, you have got one life. And it is your greatest tragedy if you go in the end of your life and you find out that you have never lived. Take courage and live. It is not too late. Even if you are 80, 85, it's not late. We are breathing and we have hope. And we have the power of Jesus Christ that will energize us to do whatever he has called us to do. And this kind of pain, this pain is, we, every situation you go, 
especially the, the tough situation, they will cause inside of you power. They will cause power, and we said negative or positive power. And I have understood that the power inside of us does not have any negativity or positivity. The way we take out will determine if it is negative or positive. And it's you that will choose how am I going to take the, the, the power that the pain has cost me, how am I taking that out? If I want to take it as a positive, in a positive way, reach out. You know, in, in Hebrews 12, it says like, Jesus ran his race. And he went in the, in, taking his cup of pain. He didn't have his eyes fixed in the pain. He took his cup of pain. And he went in the cross. And because there was a cross, it can be a death. And because of the death, there was a grave. And because of the grave, there was a resurrection. And because of the resurrection, there was forgiveness of sin. And because of that, we are here, here. We are here. For what? For fixing our eyes to Jesus. And you know, God has showed me. Like sometimes I will say, Jesus, where are you in all this kind of situation? Where can I fix my eyes? In the heaven? In this? Down? Where are you? And God spoke to me. To the lost. I'm reaching the lost. The cross of Jesus today is reaching to make the gap between the lost and the father. So if you want to run your, your, your race and if you want to fix your eyes to Jesus, fix your eyes outside to the lost to get them from hell and to bring them in God's kingdom. Raise up, rise up and, and shine your light. Because your life that you are living is not yours. The moment you said to Jesus, Jesus, I want you to become the Lord of my life. He is God of your life. And you know, if before Tani, when, when Tani was with me, I understood inheritance in two dimensional directions. But when Tani left, God showed me another dimension of inheritance. If before I understood that I was born in this earth from my mom and dad, and I was a gift from God in this earth, these were the two-dimensional. The third one is like my life. I've taken my life borrowing from my children. It's not up from heaven and from the past, but also from the future. The moment I give my last birth, I give my life to my kids and the, the, the next generations. Not just saying what Elona did, but what God did. And what Leon said before, it, was, it is like, I don't want you to remember my story because it's sad without God. But with God in it, I want you to be encouraged and to say this God is powerful and is mighty. And I'm going to rise up and to shine the light. And you know that the light is brighter in the middle of the darkness. And when, when we are so, so many people together, it's easy to leave God together. It's easy to leave God in the church, but what about in the world? Are you like a, those sheep that go down in the sea Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and all the days of the week? And when Sundays come, you come up and you come to the church. This is not the purpose of God for our lives. 
There are so many people dying without knowing Jesus. And this is the time for the church to shine up the light of God. If Jesus said that you are the salt of the earth, the, the salt, it gives flavor to the earth. And we don't take the salt and put it all in our corner of the plate. No. We will take the salt and we will spread it out. And if you are taking power in this place, I want you tomorrow to go and spread your salt out. People will see how we live Jesus, not how we speak Jesus. And this is the hour to live for Jesus. This is the hour to not understand why are we going in this situation. Jesus has said, you will have troubles, but I have conquered. I've conquered the world. I've conquered grave. One of the most powerful power over grave. It was like Jesus didn't came out of the grave just to save himself. No. He conquered grave. And he did that for you and for me. That in the whole history, as long as the world exists, there are people that can conquer death as Jesus did. In the, in the, in the gravestone where Tani is buried, it is written this. Or I considered everything lost. And death is a victory for me. And this could describe a fighter man not giving up and being so powerful even in front of death. He, he, he knew the, the reason that we forgave so easily. It was because one week before Tani was killed, he got his brother and he had his a coffee with him. And he said to him, promise me that if I am killed because of the blood feud, you will forgive my blood. I don't know if I would have the courage to forgive if this man will not leave me this inheritance. So the way how we are living, we determine how the next generation will understand God and we have responsibility. To show them that you have to pay, yes. Yes, you have to pay, but this is the greatest thing to do. This is the greatest thing to do, to serve God and to live for God all of your life. So for us, it was easy to forgive. It was not easy, but we didn't have any other solution. Because these were Tani's last words. That you will forgive. He knew that. And he made me see a person that will not fear death. And he taught me, and I saw in his life, how can you work for God, live for God, and fear no death. And you know, it's relieving. When you come to this point that you are not afraid of death, it's like, what can you do to me? It's relieving. Because all fear is gone, and faith is replaced with that fear. You know, people would say to me, why are you saying this? What about your children if you die? I said, God will take care of that. Because if he is a good father, and if he decides that I will go before the time that I think or people think, he will take care because he's the good father. This is our good father. And this is the place where we find the peace. I want to encourage you, shine your light for Jesus, be the soul for Jesus. This is the time to be used as the instrument of righteousness of God. In Romans 6, it says we are not instruments of sin, but we are instruments of righteousness of God. For what? To crash devil. 
We are in the same level. We can crash him. The instruments of God to take the lost sheep into the kingdom and to, to, to bring nearer and closer the day when our Lord Jesus will turn back to take his bride. In Revelation it says like the whole church says, Lord Jesus, come. And if you want to say, Lord Jesus, come, do not say it only with words, but go out and find his lost sheep. He will come with when all his lost sheep are found. Not all the human beings. I know that this will not be the case. Even if he longs that everyone will get saved. But if you want that, if you want Lord Jesus to come, just shine your, your, your light bright and stand up in your courage for the Lord. Ask God every morning, this is not something that will happen in one night. This is not something that, you, that, you, that, that it will be with the push of the button. No, it will be a process. But every morning, ask God, God, I want to shine your light for you. Show me how and give me the courage to stand. I love your nation and I love that you are so soft and gentle in your heart. But... I'm sorry to say this, this is time to stand up and to have a love with teeth. Not just love, but love with teeth. To stand up before being too late. To stand up for Jesus and to shine the light. Can we stand all together? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you with all our heart. We want to thank you for what you have done in cross for us. We want to thank you that you took our sin away. We want to thank you that you drank our cup. We want to thank you for the mystery of salvation and the mystery of, of Calvary. Father, here we are. God, we want your Holy Spirit to fill up our cups. And we want your Holy Spirit to come with, with courage, Lord. With courage inside our hearts that we will stand up and we will shine the, the light of Jesus Christ in the dark world. Father, we pray. We pray that you will give us wisdom and courage. We pray that the light of your face will shine upon the church and the church will decide to shine it out. We pray, Father, that your will may be done in earth as it is in heaven. We pray, God, that you will give us the strength that we need, the power that we need. We need to stand up for Jesus and to show to this desperate generation to show the love of Jesus. Here we are, Lord. And we come with Isaiah attitude. Here we are. Send us. Send us out, Lord. Send us to the world to shine Jesus. Send us out as instrument of the righteousness of God. Send us out, Lord. God, I want to release your spirit in this church. And I thank you, Lord, that this church will be known for your love for each other and the lost. I pray, Lord, that even other people around, they will recognize that something is different in this place, even without them starting to talk. I pray, God, 
that you will have their lives to be used for your kingdom and for your glory. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen.